Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Um, and very quickly, there's more I can say, but we're running out of time. The cafe have got a wonderful Christmas menu. Ooh. Um, it's got amazing things on it, like turkey and stuffing bagels, spiced parsnip soup, baked camembert. I mean, these are just a few of the things. There's many exciting Christmas things, Christmas pudding, mince pies. But you need to book if you'd like to come to that particular, have that menu, because there's a lot more prep for them to do. So why not think of this as an opportunity to ask your neighbours or your friends? Uh, It starts on Monday, actually, and runs right up to the 23rd of December, starts tomorrow. Bring your friends, bring your work colleagues and book a table and uh, show the cafe off. So um, that would be really great. You can go up to the counter and book. You can ask to have a look at one of their menus. I'm sure you can take one away if you want to. Um, But that would be a great opportunity to actually because it's Christmas say oh why don't we have a little Christmas lunch um, and that would be great for us too so uh, thank you I'm going to get off now and let Simon come thanks very much when did baked camembert become a thing oh lovely <laughs> when did that when did that happen when did we start to bake camemberts when 20 years ago I, I can't believe that for a moment 20 years ago. Anyway, it just turns into a big gooey mess, doesn't it? I mean, it's gorgeous, gorgeous. Okay, all right, okay. A life of try. (laughs) Yes, exactly, I will try dipping my... Yes, I will do that, I'll go there. I know, but I've never quite seen the attraction. It just turns a great cheese into, like, a glue. Anyway, um, like... Okay, and this is where we'll cut. Welcome back to the life of Try. Um, we're coming into land on this series now. Just a couple more talks before we, uh, we come into our Advent uh, series, which is going to, would you believe, only two weeks away. So um, a couple more talks on life of Try. Uh, thank you for joining this with us. Uh, we've really had a lot of great feedback on this. Um, what we'd like to do next week in our final talk is maybe capture any quick testimonies about, from people who've tried something during this period they haven't tried before or maybe stepped out. So... I want to get Kitty to send an email out to the whole church database tomorrow and just invite anybody who's got a little try story, they want to, one or two minutes to come and share next week just about what they've stepped into uh, as, they've, uh, as we journey together. That would be great. There may be some, maybe none, but I thought we'd create the opportunity to do that uh, next Sunday. So, yeah, last week we looked at this whole thing about discipleship being followed through, didn't we? And I invited you to speak to each other and give you some questions to ask each other. What's God been saying recently? Uh, and what are you doing about that? And uh, what are you finding hard about that? And uh, who are you taking with you? And lastly, how can I help? So hopefully, I know some of you went away and took those questions and, and applied them to each other. Uh, but I want to encourage you to keep doing that, to keep sort of gently saying, well, so what's God saying? Uh, and what are you doing? Because we believe that we're a people in motion, don't we? We believe we're a people who are being led by the Spirit uh, into the things of God and things of the kingdom. So I would just gently encourage you to use those questions over the, over the weeks ahead, just to encourage each other. And as we do that, we'll create a culture of expectation in the church that, yes, we expect to hear from God, and yes, we expect to respond to God. Uh, it's not meant to be kind of an interrogation. You know, what's God saying to you? And what are you doing about that? It's meant to be a light-hearted thing, that, and, and in grace we support and encourage each other into the things of God. 
Well, today I want to talk about something that can intimidate a lot of us when we think about kingdom trying, and that is kingdom praying. Okay? If I did a, a poll of people, I think they'd say that praying, praying full stop is difficult, and the thought of praying for somebody else is like really difficult and really hard. And for some people, it brings us out in a cold sweat, just the very thought of offering to pray for somebody else, particularly outside of the church context, outside of, a, of uh, people that we know uh, and who know us. But sometimes trying does mean praying, and that's what I want to touch into today. When I mean praying for people, I don't mean saying to someone, I'll pray for you, and then going away, back to your house, back to your room, sitting down and praying for them. I mean what I call direct prayer. And this is what Jesus demonstrated in the Gospels. He actually offered to pray and minister to people directly, just as, just as he did. And when Jesus prayed, all sorts of miraculous stuff happened, didn't it? When he prayed, people got healed. They got delivered from demonic oppression. They got, even got raised from the dead. And so when Jesus prayed directly, it released the miracles and miraculous of the kingdom. And we've talked before, Jesus did that because he was not only spoke of the kingdom coming, he demonstrated the kingdom coming. He said, when God's around, when God's here, when God's fully present, then healing comes, deliverance comes, even resurrection from the dead comes when the kingdom is present. And then Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and equally directly minister to people. And in the book of Acts, you can read in your Bibles all about the acts of the Holy Spirit as the early church was birthed and the disciples went around ministering directly to people and releasing the kingdom. So if you or I pluck up courage to pray for somebody, should we expect to see the same miraculous results that Jesus did? Well, the church all over the whole world is divided over this question. Some people would say yes, some people would say no, and some people would say maybe. Now, I'm not here today to tell you where you should sit on that spectrum, okay? Because I think that can cause us all sorts of problems. I'm not here to tell you where you should sit on that spectrum of expectation. You can decide for yourself where you sit and where your expectation lies. Some of you may have prayed for people and seen amazing things happen. Some of you may have prayed for people and seen absolutely nothing happen. And that's part of the uh, confounding nature of prayer. One thing is consistent is that as we begin to pray for people and step into that, we very quickly realize one thing we can't do is control the outcome of our prayers. We simply can't control what happens when we pray. And it seems to be regardless of where you've settled in your personal conviction and whether miracles should be here today or shouldn't be here today or maybe should be here today, that seems to have absolutely no bearing on the outcome of your prayers. You can be absolutely convinced of miracles still happening today and pray and still see very little happen. Equally, you can be absolutely convinced that miracles don't happen today and pray and God does something miraculous. How annoying is this? Prayer is so frustrating sometimes. It seems that God won't be limited by our own desire to box him in or put him into a certain place or a certain belief structure. And even if you look to Jesus, trying to find some sort of technique or model that you can use to repeat, to guarantee some sort of success in prayer, even Jesus confounds you. When he heals Peter's mom from fever, he just simply reaches out a hand and, and tells her to get up and make some tea. Another guy's on a mat who can't walk. He says, just get off your mat. Another person who's blind gets some Jesus mud spit rubbed into his eyes. That's a great model to use for anybody you know. <laughs> a Roman centurion with a sick servant. Jesus says, you might as well go back home because your servant's healed. Your, your faith has, has made that person well. 
And Jesus even heals somebody without knowing it when a woman touches the edge of his cloak and gets healed simply by touching a garment. And kingdom power flows through him, and the person is healed. And Jesus was like, who did I just heal? I don't know who I just healed. And so Jesus confounds us when we look for a model or a construct or a technique that's going to guarantee prayer results. When I read all this, I think, I think, come on, Jesus, just give me one method I can kind of use and copy and sort of give me some sort of sense of, of sort of getting some results from when I pray. Even though Jesus used all these different techniques to heal people and, and directly minister to them, one thing is clear is that he was a conduit for God's love to that person, regardless of what technique he used with each individual. And I think the essence of direct prayer is that we are called equally to pray for people and be a conduit of God's love to other people. Can you or I control the outcome of what happens when we pray? Well, no, I don't think we can. I think anybody who's tried praying will figure out very quickly they can't control the outcome. We may want someone to have a really powerful encounter with Jesus when we pray for them, and they actually feel very little. We may want someone to be healed physically, when we pray for them, but actually healing doesn't come. If we start looking for certain results when we pray, I think we tie ourselves in knots and it makes us less likely to pray if we're focused on outcomes. Because when things don't happen as they should, we start looking for someone or something to blame, don't we? If we expect a certain outcome when we pray and it doesn't happen, well, something somewhere must be wrong. So it's either the technique we've used... We've not had enough faith. We haven't said the right words. Maybe we're not in the right place with God. Maybe the person we're praying for isn't in the right place with God. We're looking for some way to make this equation add up when we don't see the results that we would expect. And this is the problem if we're focused on outcomes in prayer. But prayer isn't a magic spell. Prayer isn't an incantation that we can use to summon a certain type of result if we get it properly. And neither is prayer a mechanism that we can use to control some sort of God force that's available to us if we just have the right technique or the right words. Goodbye, fly. I've actually got a fly landing on my own. This idea of a God force... Go on. Be gone in the name of Jesus. This idea of a God force is prevalent in the word of faith movement, which is, which is a global phenomenon, a belief that if you say the right words in the right way, you can control God. And that's where the phrase name it and claim it came from. If you can use the right words and the right technique in prayer, you can summon a God force for your benefit and your blessing. But God, guys, isn't the genie of the lamp. He's not the genie of the lamp that we can summon and use certain words to get what we want or to get a certain kind of result. When I was younger, I think I believed there was sort of a golden bullet in prayer that I could kind of find. If I, if I traveled enough and read enough and researched enough and went to enough places and saw enough people, I'd come up with some sort of golden bullet mechanism for prayer that I could use and guarantee results. If I got all my theology and my practice and my technique and my personal life together in the right kind of recipe, then when I prayed, I would see certain results, certain outcomes. But again... Prayer doesn't seem to work that way. I've prayed great prayers, I thought, when I was in a great place with God. I thought my technique was spot on, and I've seen very little or nothing happen. I've prayed the worst prayers, the most, the, the most faithless prayers, and seen amazing things happen. I've fasted for days for people to be physically healed and seen nothing 
happen. I've prayed the most throwaway, flippant prayer and seen someone miraculously healed. God, what are you doing? It's so sometimes confusing if we're focused on outcomes in prayer. And now I'm a little older and maybe a little bit wiser. I've realized that I can't, no matter what I do, control the outcome of prayer. When I pray for someone directly, as Jesus did, the results of my prayers are taken out of my hands. They're put into the hands of God. And it doesn't matter how godly I feel or how I feel like I've got my technique spot on or what model I'm using or what conference I've been to or who I've just heard. It doesn't matter. The outcomes of those prayers are still in the hands, ultimately, of God. It's God who comes and comforts. It's God who comes and heals. It's God who comes and sets people free. All I've realized I need to do, in a sense, the only thing I can do is make myself available to pray for people. The only thing I can be is a conduit for God's kingdom to come and touch somebody. Now, church, we're often used to things called petitioning prayers. And that's where we, um, we sit around in groups and we pray for something to happen or we get alone with ourselves and we pray for something to happen. We petition God for a change. That's what we're more comfortable with. We're not so comfortable with putting ourselves out there and praying directly for other people. And I think the reason is because we're not sure what should happen or how it should work or, or whether we're, we're fit for purpose. But the truth is, God's love flows person to person. That's how it works. It flows person to person. So when we offer to pray for somebody, we're allowing God's love to flow person to person. Yeah? And that doesn't happen through petitioning prayer. It doesn't happen through intercessory prayer. It only happens through direct prayer. So if I choose to pray for someone directly, I'm inviting God to use me as a kingdom channel for his love to come and touch that person. I can't control how it's going to come or what form it's going to come in, but I can make myself available to allow God's love to flow through me to that person. And that's the important thing because that's the only thing we can control. The only thing we can control is whether or not we're going to make ourselves available to be used as a channel for God's blessing. We can't control outcomes, but we can control whether I'm going to let myself be used by God to bless somebody else. If I start worrying about the outcomes of my, of my prayers and focus on making myself available, and then God can use me however he wants to, in whatever way he wants to, to bring whatever he wants to to the person that I'm ministering to. I don't have to worry about certain words or certain technique. I don't have to be worried about guilt or fear if it doesn't work as I think it should. All I'm trying to do is connect that person with the love of God. So when we try in prayer, what it means is we're saying to God, I'm going to make myself available to you for the kingdom. I'm going to make myself available for you to use me as a channel to bless someone. And I'm going to put the rest into your hands. I'm going to trust you in what happens with this person. Now, I think that's a much better way to approach direct prayer than to be worried about where we sit theologically on our expectation of the miraculous or not. You can be the most the person who's right over there, you expect miracles every time you pray. God bless you. God bless you. You can be a person who sits right over here who's very suspicious about whether God will turn up and do anything at all. God bless you. The key thing is, are you going to make yourself available for God to use you in prayer? So quickly then, what might praying 
for someone directly look like? I'll give you a few little tips. The first thing is you can offer to pray for somebody anywhere. Anywhere you can offer to pray for somebody. Inside of church, outside of church buildings, places of work, anywhere you can offer to pray for somebody. Jesus prayed directly for people wherever he encountered them. The Gospels are full of prayer encounters in all sorts of strange places. On the seashore, in the marketplace, by the temple, outside the temple, in houses, in streets, in fields, by wells. You name it, Jesus prayed wherever he met people. So you can offer to pray for somebody wherever you meet them. You can invite the kingdom to come wherever that person is. The second thing that's massively important is you need to make sure the person understands what you're offering to do and are they comfortable with it. So if you say to somebody, can I pray for you? They'll go, what they're thinking is petitioning prayer. This person wants to go away and pray for me. So if they say yes, and then you suddenly dive into praying for them, whoa, hang on, I didn't think it now. I thought you meant you are going to go away and pray for me. Oh, actually. So you need to make sure that if you offer to pray for somebody, understand that you want to pray for them now. And the most important thing about praying for somebody is you fully respect that person and make that person feel totally comfortable in what you're offering to do. Because receiving direct prayer, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. You're making yourself vulnerable by saying, yes, you can pray for me now. And we want to make sure if we offer to pray for anybody that they're totally comfortable with what we're offering to do for them. And the third thing you need to do, which is really important as well, is explain what you're going to do. Because this person in front of you may have never been prayed for in their life, and they've got no idea what you're going to do, and they've got no idea what they're supposed to do. Now, I think it's really important that you you help them with that. Now, if I'm praying for somebody in church that I know, and I know they've got some sort of framework of prayer, I might say to them, you might want to close your eyes. You might want to hold out your hands. This might help you receive from God a little bit better. So they don't have to. But if someone's staring right back into your face, you're praying for them, it can be a little bit disconcerting. So you, must, you might want to say, you want to maybe close your eyes so you can focus on God and focus on what he may want to do. You might want to put your hands out because it may help you just be in a position of openness for what God wants to do. When I'm praying for somebody outside of church, I probably wouldn't ask them to close their eyes. Because the first thing they're going to think is, I'm going to pinch their wallet. <laughs> Who wants to close their eyes you know, in the street? Yes, I'm just going to close my eyes and make myself completely vulnerable while you pray for me. That it's not probably a wise thing to do. Equally, I probably wouldn't ask them to put their hands out because, again, they might think, well, why, what are you going to do in my hands if I put them out? I may ask them, maybe, should we bow our heads? Should we do something that kind of helps us get into maybe a, a, a mode of prayer, maybe helps them think slightly broader than maybe just staring at me or staring down the street? So it's all about context when you're offering to pray for somebody. I'll be really careful with my hands. Okay, I don't put my hands all over people. I've known people who pray who do put their hands all over people in all the wrong places. Okay, And some people just wade in and start sticking their hands on people and offering to pray, and I'm very careful with my hands. So I'm going to pray for somebody in church. I might, I might say, is that okay if I just put a hand on his shoulder? Shoulder's a good, safe place to put a hand if you're going to pray for somebody. If I'm in the street or somewhere else, I probably wouldn't put my hands on somebody because... They might, again, feel unsafe with that. You know, why are you putting your hands on me? This is a tricky one because Jesus often ministered direct to people physically, you know, through touch. 
And touch can be really important when we're praying directly for somebody. But you need to be really, really careful about how you use your hands and where you put your hands because it's just, you just want to make someone feel safe. You don't ever want to make them feel unsafe when you're praying for them. So really careful about hands. And then all I'm going to do when I pray is I'm just going to simply invite God to come. Say, God, can you come and bless? Can you come and be with this person? They may have shared their situation or their condition. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And then I'm just going to watch and see what God does. I'm going to try and be that conduit of God's blessing and love to that person. So the last thing you need to do is just keep checking in. What am I seeing? What does God seem to be doing? How is the person responding? Are they comfortable? Are they irritable? Are they looking straight at me? Are they, have they got questions? Just keep checking in. What, what's happening as I'm praying? I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm watching what's going on. I'm trying to get a sense of what God is doing. When does it need to come to an end? You know, is God doing more? I may sense God saying to me, ask them what I'm doing. And they might say, well, God's speaking to me about this or I'm feeling this. And so you're, you're just not, the key thing about prayer, it's interactional. You're listening to God and you're, and you're inter- interacting with the person. You're not going to make the Holy Spirit run away if you start talking to somebody as you pray for them. The Holy Spirit isn't going to flutter away like a butterfly because you've engaged in a conversation about what God's doing. So, very simple. Now, I know for some of you, just, just the thought of this is bringing you out in a cold sweat this morning. You're thinking, I, the thought of just praying for somebody, maybe even in church, is making me really anxious. And I'm, and I'm not trying to make you go somewhere that you don't want to go. But I, I want to say that kingdom trying does involve praying. Jesus modeled that to us, and he sent out the disciples, and they modeled it to us as well. And sometimes we get stuck around this question of, you know, should we expect miracles? Should we not be expecting miracles? That's incidental. I think we're all called to directly minister to one another and to the outside world if we follow Jesus. Love flows person to person. And we've all got a bit of responsibility to allow that love to flow from us to those around us. And sometimes trying means praying. It's a simple as that and you might get an opportunity where you can offer to pray a very simple prayer for somebody and that and I guarantee I guarantee I do guarantee that if you pray for somebody they will feel more loved and more cared for than if you didn't pray for them even if nothing seems to happen even if they don't get the healing or they don't get the breakthrough or they don't get the the thing that they if you stand with them and say I'm going to pray for you and I believe God can help you. And you become that channel of God's blessing. I guarantee they will feel more loved and more cared for and more supported by you than if you hadn't offered to pray for them. You see, I guarantee, the other thing I guarantee is if you never pray for somebody, then you will never see any results of direct prayer. Wimber was once asked by somebody, John Wimber, why... People weren't healed when he prayed. And John said, well, come back when you've prayed for a thousand people and we'll continue the conversation. You see, the more we allow God to use us, the more we give God the opportunity to use us, the more likelihood that God can do something through us. But if we never allow ourselves to be used to pray for anybody else, then God can never use us, can he? He, We can never be that conduit of blessing to somebody else. 
So I want to encourage you today, don't focus on outcomes when you pray for somebody. It sounds weird, I know, because if you're used to petitioning prayer, we want to see things happen when we pray. But in direct prayer, the key thing is we're allowing God's love to flow from us to the people around us. And God can do things that you've got no idea about. God can be working in the life of a person that you know nothing about, just by the fact you've offered to stand with them and pray with them. So don't worry about technique. Don't worry about getting the right words, the right model. Don't worry if you're not feeling particularly holy that day or godly. If you sense the Holy Spirit nudging you to pray for somebody, I'd encourage you just to step out and say, can I offer to pray for you? And Maybe just use some of these tips to make it clear what you're doing. It's not a, it's not a, a super religious thing. It's not a, an odd thing. It's just a very simple thing. If I stand with you and I believe my God can help you, and I'm just going to invite him to do that. Let's stand together, if you're able. You know, we can support people in all sorts of different ways, can't we? We can serve them, we can come alongside them practically, we can show compassion to them, we can teach them, we can do all sorts of things to love them. But occasionally, just occasionally, loving someone means offering to pray for them. And, um, and that's just the way it is. That would just God will use you occasionally in direct ministry. And you can't control the outcome of your prayer, but you can control whether or not you make yourself available to pray. So let's just invite Jesus to help us with this. Lord, we thank you so much that we get the chance to be a channel for your blessing and a channel for your love, God. And help us just to really simplify this experience, God. Help us to simply be your hands and your feet, God. We want to put a hand up to you, Lord Jesus, and a hand out to the people around us. We want to be a channel for your blessing. So, Lord, if we've got stuck around teaching or expectation, God, would you free us up this morning? And I want to pray for every person in Riverside to get an opportunity to do the simplest thing, to offer to pray for somebody. And, God, that offer may be rejected, that offer may be received. All we're doing, Lord God, is making ourselves available to you. And we trust in you with the outcome of our prayers. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.